This is a Foobar Radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details. Hello and welcome to another edition of Screen Talk with me, Dan Clark. Now, I, I never know how to start this show. Um, I feel like I say the same thing every time. Hello and welcome to Screen Talk. But I just can't think of any other way of saying it. Like, how else do you say hello? I don't think hi is right. Hi and welcome to... That feels too informal. Uh, you're, you're, a, you're a hello guy. Yeah, you're I'm a hello a- I Yo, think. welcome to Screen Tour. What's happening? Welcome to... Hiya! Yeah, does no, it, that's not work? me. What's a guan? What's happening? Oh, there you go. Yeah? No. Uh, bonjour, hola, I could try and do it. That just makes me sound like a dick as well. I actually saw my show, uh, How Not To Live Your Life, dubbed into Spanish on Spanish TV. And they used the is most... Is what inner- you do in your spare time? Yeah, this is what Rewatch. I do in my spare time. I, I dub it myself. Um, Span- Spanish this week? And it was like, the, the voice couldn't have been further from... It was like, Hola, Don Damri, uh, clever balls. <laughs> that how is many, Spanish, by How the way. many different countries did it get picked up in? It's been sold to about 20 countries. So you must have made a pretty penny. I've made two grand. So uh, today we have two great guests. You've heard our first. James Gill is back with us. This is becoming a regular thing, James. Where this is, you're, you're somehow beating my commitment phobia by, you know, seeing you on a regular basis. This, I th- is, this feels right. Yeah. I, I don't want to see other people. <laughs> Let's go steady. Um, James will be giving us uh, a little bit of film news in a second uh, from his expertise as the film editor of Shortlist. I feel like I have to say Very that every good. time. Very good. No, no, keeps like the boss, boss Also, happy. a comedian. How's the comedy nights going, James? It's a, it's a constant source of anxiety and worry. But they're going good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they are brilliant nights. Um, and always uh, be comedy. Always be comedy. Little, little pug. <laughs> Tickets plug. invariably available. Um, and we also have the wonderful Ashlyn B, who um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She has actually bollocked me once before for uh, saying that wrong. But um, we'll find out in a minute whether I'm saying it right. She is a very, very funny comedian. Comedian? What's the PC? Comedian. Comedian. One so, of the one of, I can swear on this show. Yeah. One of the absolute fucking greats. Um, so uh, this is my uh, song to kick off the show. This is from the film Little Miss Sunshine. It's Sufjan Stevens with Chicago. I dare you not to be utterly uplifted by this song. Screen talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Oh, that fills me with such joy. That song. That song. Do you are you a fan of Little Miss Sunshine? The f- yeah, very much so. And I think yeah. it was the first time I saw Steve Carell in a non-hilarious role, and he was. It's a really beautiful performance. Yeah, that he gives I, in that film. The, the the weird thing is, is I remember watching it, and the very first shot you see him, he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. In the uh, mental hospital, and he there's something in his eyes, and you go, oh. Okay, this this guy's got. He hasn't even spoken yet, and you just know he's got something else. He's so good, going isn't he? On. He's so good. Have you seen the sketch he did before he was famous? And it's uh, waiters who are waiters who feel sick at the sight of food. No, it's a sketch he did on the Dana Carvey show, which got axed very quickly. It's a, it's a, it great. was a really good show. So anyway. Check it out, listeners. I will. Check it out. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the directing duo, uh, Jonathan Dayton and uh, Valerie Farris. They've got a film uh, that I think they're in production at the moment, um, which is about, it's called Battle of the Sexes, which is about former tennis champ yes. Bobby Riggs. And they had this match That's to right. prove whether men and women were um, equally as good on the tennis uh, pitch. Do we call it a pitch? Court. It is a pitch. Courts. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I don't do a sports show, right? You should tennis tennis course. You should for the all tennis the reasons. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, uh, but uh, I'm really looking forward. That again, it's Steve Carell playing yeah. um, uh, Billy Jean. What's his? No, Bobby Riggs and Billy Jean King is played by uh, Emma Stone. 
I think it's going to be a good one. That'll be good. I know, probably, do you want to know the outcome of the match? Um, no, I that's think, like the worst spoiler I can no, get. No, I know it? the outcome. Okay, fine. But then they did a rematch. They did two. Oh, really? I think so. Okay. I'm pretty sure they did. Right. Anyway, that's that's a good one. What news do you have? What news do you bring with you on your travels, James? Well, Gale? the big talking point this morning is the Ghostbusters trailer. Oh God, again! And well, because a new a new trailer has yeah, come out. Yeah, there's been three now, right? Have there been? I think there was, oh, a, there was teaser. a teaser, then trailer one, then trailer two, mm-hmm. and the the levels of vitriol that are getting thrown at this film are now becoming. I mean, maybe I shouldn't say unacceptable because you'd say people are entitled to an opinion, but I I will say I do think it is. A matter of sexism. Well, really? Yes. So, like, what are the comments aimed directly at um, the characters being so women? Much, so much, some of the comments, I mean, all right, part of my homework, I do trawl, you know, I trawl the internet, I'll do social on your, media, On the tube here. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, I mean, if I lose signal, I am screwed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some of the vitriol on Twitter, as you would expect, I guess, is uh, over the top. And But I do think, I mean, this cast is incredible. You're talking about, regardless of gender, you're talking about four awesome comedians and, mm-hmm. and comedy actresses. Yep. Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Leslie Jones is an incredible stand-up. Kate McKinnon is wonderful on SNL. So I do firmly believe that if this was a cast, and I'm picking these names out of random, I'm picking like cool comedians slash actors, if it was, say, Oscar Isaac, Jay Farrow, uh, Chris Pratt, maybe Will Ferrell to keep the SNL connection there. I think if it was those four, you would not have the same level of, of bile that you've got thrown at this movie. Okay. And Paul Feig, I mean, crikey, the dude knows what he's doing. Bridesmaids is one of the best comedies of recent years. So I I, I really hope that this movie is can I pose, awesome. Can I pose a question to yes. you? Yes. Is it maybe just because the trailers aren't very good? That new trailer made me laugh. Did it? Yeah. When the, when Because the my, my thing is, right, I, I, I'm excited about seeing these guys, because I agree with you, they're br- all brilliant comedians. But I, uh, I have to say, in all the trailers I've seen, I haven't been blown away. I'm not, I don't sit there going, oh, this looks shit, or the why si- are they doing this? But it hasn't blown me away, and surely a trailer, you know, sometimes for its faults, Uses all the best bits, right? I remember the or, Guardians of the Galaxy trailer. Have it? There was some real backlash against when that came out. See, I loved that, but but, but there was that is a fact that people, some people, right. were really critical of the Guardians of the Galaxy trailer, saying the same sort of thing. Oh, you should be showing off how awesome the movie is. And then, of course, that film may be the greatest superhero. It's certainly one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. So, what I would say is. Let's not get too carried away with the trailer. And I still thought the bit where the, the ghost is on Leslie Jones's shoulders and someone takes the selfie and Leslie Jones just goes, really? I mean, that, that, made me, yeah. that made me laugh out loud. I think it's also, for me, on a personal level, I just find the look of it, the colour schemes, the palettes, the, it just isn't to my taste. That's but I guess that's Paul Feig yeah. also doing his own thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what uh, what else have you, uh, have you heard about this last week? The Mail are reporting that Daniel Craig has... Allegedly turned down sixty-eight million pounds, not dollars, to do two more Bond films. Uh, so, so is he officially not doing it's it? It's not official yet. I mean, I spoke with. I'm just going to drop this name, Clang Mark Strong, a few weeks ago, and those mm-hmm. two, those two are good mates. And Strong was pretty certain that Craig had hung up his Walter PPK. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Craig will not be back. Do May I just say, I think C- Craig has been just. A wonderful bond. If, yeah. if he's to leave, just awesome. Particularly Skyfall. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. oh my god. I know but, there's. I know some people like to knock that film. Oh, it's not a proper Bond movie. It's a 
fucking... I loved it. It's, I loved a, it's it. a minor masterpiece. And I'm not, I'm not one of these, oh, Bond has to be more funny or Bond has to be more serious. I just thought all round it was... It's just a great it movie. It was a film that yeah. worked. The, 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 the last the most recent the most it recent, made a billion dollars yeah um, it did alright the most recent Bond movie they did try to be more overtly Bond there was there was more moments yeah, of, yeah. of comedy and you know um and uh, the uh, you you were lucky enough to meet with Oscar uh, meet with <laughs> you had a meeting so, uh, with Oscar Isaac. So yes, Oscar. If you, if I have a bit of a man crush. Oh, well, I was going to say, uh, well, you like me have a bit of a man crush on, on Oscar Isaac, and that chat with him only made me want to leave my wife and daughter for <laughs> him even more he is as cool and as lovely and as intelligent and as thoughtful yeah. as you would yeah, yeah. Uh, ever imagine so my, it was it was a joy and it was it was cool he, he talked about how he's doing Hamlet once he's done the next Star Wars he talked he said oh, there's going to be more uh, a film version or no, uh, on the, he will be on the stage in oh, New York wonderful. he also said Poe Dameron was, was one of the highlights of one of many highlights of The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. and he said that there will be more Poe in the next one, which is what you want to hear. Uh, but yeah, just... And he, and he obviously was talking about X-Men Apocalypse as well. So, um, yeah, I, I can safely report that Oscar Isaac is a, is as lovely as you would hope he is. Well, uh, one of my favourite films of the last five years, which didn't seem to do amazingly in terms of box office or buzz or whatever, but was um, Inside Lewin Davis. I think I related to it a little bit too much, um, but it was uh, oh, it was just a beautiful, beautiful film, and he was so funny in it. As someone that is not really known as a comedy actor, he's just so brilliant in it. Have you have you seen the Inside? I've not Lewis seen it? Inside. Oh, Lewis. Well, watch it's it. on Amazon Prime. I've got no excuse. Yeah, I've got no excuse. It's a beautiful film. Um, probably my favourite Coen Brothers films of their last four or five films. I think. The final bit of news: there is a new. The trailer came out. The teaser trailer for the new Star Te- Star Trek TV show. Uh, was premiered at a CBS event yesterday, and it reveals practically nothing. It just looks like a screensaver. Yeah, it does, yeah. yeah. That's all it is. New heroes, new crews, new villains, new worlds. That's what the tagline is. Which we probably could have guessed anyway. Uh, Where do you stand on all this? We're we're living in an age where original ideas and original content is really difficult to get out there, both on TV and film. Everything is existing IP as they call it intellectual property so names that either are famous books or remakes of old films or f- series based on films another or example films to back you up just, just this morning it's come out that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, he has signed a deal it's getting made they're, they're bringing a new Robert Ludlum character to life so obviously the Bourne franchise yeah. say, say that's done alright so they've taken another Ludlum character wouldn't it be great if The Rock played uh, Jason Bourne Yes, that's a reboot I would get behind. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone everyone loves The Rock, don't they? But but uh, where Jason Bourne is really good at wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> the climax is at SummerSlam. <laughs> I'd watch he that. He has to get into a... He's like, some guy comes to attack him. He's like, wait a minute. And he has to dress up in his costume. <laughs> but no, you're right, you're right. It's it's It does appear that the... Well, look, truly Spider- original ideas are... Uh, Spider-Man is living proof that they reboot it two years after the previous franchise yeah. has ended that quickly. It used to be that like 10 years would go by and they go, hey, maybe we should redo... Oh, maybe, I mean, longer sometimes. Yeah. You know, 30, 40 years, but two years. I mean, we'll look back on that surely when we're older and go, that was mental, wasn't it? Yeah. 17 Spider-Man films in four years. However, that said, the new Spider-Man was awesome in Civil War, and I very much look forward to Spider-Man Homecoming. Something I'm very excited about, uh, and you've had the privilege of seeing, is the new Shane Black movie. 
It is awesome. I went in with high expectations, and my expectations were exceeded. It's so it's for people that awesome. don't know, this is Shane Black, who um, obviously most famously wrote the Lethal Weapon first and second film. I think. Yeah, I think he took he, he did a draft of the second one. I think then someone may have tinkered with it yeah, in a bad so. way. And uh, he did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which yes. is a brilliant film, which obviously led him to doing Iron Man Three. And now Which, this hang on, who who yes, works on Yes, 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 a friend of mine wrote it, <laughs> <laughs> co-wrote it. Um, that's, and, that's one for the regulars. And that's lovely stories about Shane Black. And he has now got this film with Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe. It's a 70s private detective movie, yes. a caper, it if is. you will. And it's the trailer so, is so fucking good. It's so I funny. I can't wait to the, see this. The film is really funny. Oh, good. And Russell, I mean, Russell Crowe's wonderful. I mean, LA Confidential is, is one of my all-time yeah. favourite films. And Crowe in this is fantastic. However... Ryan Gosling, I mean, wow. He's, he's well, there's that bit where he's in the toilet with his trousers around in the trailer, and the slapstick comedy of that is so... It's just perfect. It's like, wow, you do... You can do slapstick comedy. How? It's a beautiful scene. You're an annoyingly talented he's man. He's an annoyingly talented man. But at least he's not good-looking. Oh, no! He's the most <laughs> gorgeous man who ever lived. Um, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. And his ability to do physical comedy and, and comedy in general... There's one scene in a hotel room, I won't spoil it, that is one of the finest scenes I've seen in recent years. Uh, the Nice Guys gets two thumbs up from me. Good. You, you're, that's uh, Ebert, isn't it? That was, I yep. think you've nicked their Sister uh, ratings. Yeah. <laughs> they won't mind. Uh, so I, something I wanted to chat to you about, James. The other day I was uh, thinking, I, I, I was watching an interview with Rob Reiner. Yes. And it sort of occurred to me, chatting to my girlfriend, because she was like, Who, what, what films has he directed? And I was like, oh, you know, he's done a couple of really good films. And I started listing them. And as I was listing them, I'm going, no, hang on. He's not done a couple of great films. He's done at least, I would say, six or seven, what I would call personally, classic films. So I will read out his, his streak that he had from 84 onwards, yep. right? Go. This is Spinal Tap, 1984. Yeah, right. which, <laughs> no. which for a lot of people top, is, is the greatest five comedy, comedy of all film time. of all time, yep. I mean, I would say Planes, Trains, but that, it's not about it's me It's in right the now. top five, definitely. Yeah, sure yeah. thing. I, I, was, I just said sure thing. His next film was 1985's <laughs> The Sure Thing. With John Cusack. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Brilliant film. Stand By Me, the film that Reiner regards as his masterpiece. And it is a masterpiece, It I is think. a masterpiece. It's, it's small. Beautiful. Because, you know, it's about kids and it's quite sweet, but it's... People often think of Masterpiece as in the Lawrence of Arabia, yes. like... has big to be a sweeping epic. Yeah, exactly. But, but it isn't. It's a, it's a mini film. Masterpiece. I'll tell you what else is a Masterpiece. 1987's The Princess Bride. Because it belongs to 1987. Are you, do you not think it's aged? <laughs> I, no, no, no. I'm just... Oh, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love The Princess Bride. How can you not love it? It is so funny. Um... Mandy Patinkin's performance, particular. I mean, it's just oh, all of them. Everyone's Mel wonderful. Smith is in it. Yeah, he is. It, he he is. Melted, but all the comedy greats of the time. Apparently, Billy Crystal was so funny in it that Rob Reiner had to leave the room and stand somewhere else because he was laughing so hard at what Billy Crystal Love was it. doing. Love it. I have that all the time with you, don't you? Yes. You, you have to leave the this room. This is a lot. take twelve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when Harry Met Sally, nineteen eighty-nine. Well, I mean, it's. Consent of a greatest rom-com of well, all time. Well, in my opinion, it's the greatest rom-com of all time. So, so which rom-com actually, I love? The Wedding Singer, Sandler, Barrymore. Yeah. Underrated. <laughs> Michael. Michael Barrymore. Yeah. Uh, I think When Harry Met Sally is a perfect film. Yeah. I've watched it recently, 
beat for beat, it is perfect. There isn't a dull... I'm getting shivers. The two oh, of them are so perfect in it. So good. The scene where he's doing the pecan pie and she looks over to Rob Reiner as oh, if to man. say, is this for real? And he has to tell her, you got to keep oh, with and, it. And, you got to keep with it. And it stays in the movie. Oh, it's so good. And Reiner actually says himself that he can't believe his mum, who delivers the line, I'll have what yes. she's having... It, he's like, it's great because it's now in the like top twenty lines of of all time from all movies. So you have like, you know, here's um, looking at you, kids. Here's looking at I'll you, be kid. back. The name's yeah. Bond, James Bond. I'll have what she's having. And it's spoken by his mum. He loves that fact, and so do I. So then, what did what did he do in nineteen ninety? Misery. Oh my God. Chilling, terrifying. Directed Kathy Bates to a Best Actress Oscar. The, I mean, you're right. So Dan and I were chatting last night about Reiner, and the dude. So my initial reaction we haven't was, finished yet. We're not quick, finished. Quick. But your point was he doesn't get the credit he deserves. And my initial comeback was, ah, well, it's because it's comedy. These aren't comedies. These no. are these are you know. Uh, then after Misery 1990, he followed that up with A Few, a few Good, good men, men 1992. Again, another classic line. You can't handle the truth. Uh, okay, we'll skip over North 1994. <laughs> Hey, he's, he's only human. Yeah. And then American <laughs> President, 995. Which you haven't seen, I've seen, is a really, really good film. Um, it's sort of a precursor to The West Wing in many ways. Um, but that run, that's like, what, how many is that? Six, that's seven, that's about eight amazing films. So my question is, why is Rob Reiner never mentioned when people are talking about the great, the great. directors? I, I, I don't know. Is it because he doesn't write his films? Is it because... I'll tell you what it might be. He it, skips genres. It might be because he's not a great... Uh, by, his own, by his own choice, I imagine. He's not uh, a, an amazing self-publicist in the way that, say, a Scorsese or a Tarantino... Do, do you know what I mean? You wouldn't describe him as a personality director. He's not coming out and giving zinging well, one-liners. Well, you say that, but he's also a brilliant actor. Amazing in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Amazing in Bullets Over Broadway. He was a writer. He wrote on loads of TV shows he in the 60s. He co-wrote the first episode of Happy Days. Yes, and he was in one of the biggest American sitcoms of all time, All in the Family. So he's got all the like ingredients of someone that we should be considered an all-time great. But for some... I feel this way, like, Steven Spielberg, for about the first 15 years of his career, was not considered an auteur. Because he made popcorn movies, yeah. you could say, uh, mainstream films, film, family films. He didn't write... I think the only film he's ever written was Close Encounters, which arguably is one of his best. But it wasn't until like, sure. Schindler's List that people went, oh, he's a master film... He's a, like, Be- an alter... Before Schindler's boy. List, he was, like, Johnny Popcorn, wasn't he? Well, he was Disney. Yeah. You know, but he he's... And, and I do think that when people don't make films like Scorsese makes gritty, dark film with themes that are challenging and and dare to push the envelope that i think that's when people are immediately considered you know like masterful filmmakers so how do we get the ball rolling for rob reiner the campaign starts here (sighs) the guy's got something like three movies in the american film institute's top 100 so i mean on paper he ticks every single box and in terms of being an icon be it for whatever reason when that when when you have those pub conversations or with your housemates or whatever Reiner probably isn't going to come up, is he? I don't know. Did, did, so Charlie Chaplin didn't win an Oscar. He won an honorary Oscar. Honorary one. If did, you've not seen the YouTube clip of him winning, yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's, amazing. it's uh, that's one of the greatest things I've ever... You know, when you, you hear the word bravo and people shouting bravo, <laughs> but I've never actually seen it before. And then Chaplin receives the Oscar. It's If you don't roll a tear watching that, I mean, it We've is, got to bring bravo back in, haven't bro, we? People are actually shouting, bravo! Bra- <laughs> I think I was shouting it, watching it on YouTube. It's it's joyous. But no, Chaplin never won, a, won a, an Oscar. Did Hitchcock? No, never won an yeah, Oscar. Yeah, so, 
you know, maybe Rob he's in Reiner's, good company. He's in good company. He's in a few good men company. Yes. No, that was terrible. <laughs> Uh, I love A Few Good Men. Again, it's like, because it's quite mainstream, it had Cruise in it. And Cruise is awesome. You sort of forget that it's how good it is. Sure. It, it, you know, it doesn't, people don't go the all-time greats. But anyway, my love for Rob Reiner is uh, apparent. It's very clear. Sometimes when you have these discussions, you have like a for and against, but that was just me and you going, Rob Reiner is yes. amazing! Can, is there anyone, I mean, we don't do, I've been thinking, Adam is our producer, uh, stood next to me. Should we get people to tweet in or email opinions on things? We probably should. He's just nodding. It's not uh, the most confident nod I've ever yeah, seen. No. Yeah, uh, if you like. Uh, well, I think we should. Like, if there's anyone that for some reason doesn't think Rob Reiner's a good director, and I'm not talking about recent years because that's not fair. Um, Everyone's allowed a blip. This. I mean, that run. I just think it's phenomenal. Spinal Tap, uh, as you say, is one of the all-time great comedies. Um... And to uh, finish off and round off this yes. section, James, I think it's only right that we play a song by the legendary yes. Spinal Tap, don't you? Yes, yes, please. Do you, can you guess which one I'm going to play? No. Oh, okay. Well, James, thank you as always. Thank you, my friend. It's always a pleasure. I'll probably see you very soon. Um, yeah, thanks. And uh, this is Spinal Tap from the film. This is Spinal Tap. This is Big Bottom. Yes! <laughs> Screen Talk with Dan Clark on Fubar Radio. Wow. What amazing drum work from the Spinal Tap. A little bit of bagpipe at the end there. Um, Ashling. Uh, yes, Dan. Maybe you can help me with this. I've seen movies, right? You Have know? you? Yeah, I've seen movies. We talk about them here. Cool. Um, some there, there are a lot of films, as you know, being Irish yourself. A you? lot of people in the New York of America mm-hmm. love to say they're Irish. Yes, even though their grandma was Irish seventeen generations ago. Yeah, but that 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 can I say shit stinks? That y- yeah, yeah, that doesn't wear off. It's like a mushroom on a tree. You Is can it? cut it off, but it keeps growing back. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you say that like it's something you can't help. Yes, I don't think you can help being Irish. I think it kind of sits in your blood. Also, there's recently... It's like been, Guinness, isn't it? Uh, yeah, exactly it's, that. You know, until the next morning, it doesn't really... Um, uh, yeah, there's been recent studies that show things like starvation pass through the DNA of people. So, in general, people who've come from backgrounds where their parents have been starved or anything like that it, it sits in your dna and kind of trickles down. yeah yeah, yeah. there's been scientific it, as in, yes so it kind of passes on so similarly i think with like um especially if things are overbearing things like mm-hmm. cultural or religious or something mm-hmm. like that like in ireland people are obsessed with buying houses and land and owning land yeah. and the idea of needing to um kind of given up yours to the past where our land was taken away from us uh, like Irish people in general that's what kind of almost caused a recession this kind of obsession of owning your own property and land and the same with like um, it, they say in China people are kind of obsessed with meat because it was this giant <laughs> this is not filmy at all is it <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's good it's bang off brand for <laughs> the podcast um, but that there was this obsession of eating meat all the time because they were starved for so long and none of the western world knew about this big famine that happened in China but do American I, I, Irish and uh, dis, dis, what am I trying to say ancestors no Descendants. Descendants, that's the word I'm looking for. Do they uh, talk about the 
famine if it didn't it's, happen to them? I think it's more, so a lot of the people who it's went over uh, would have been people who helped build fleeing. America and yeah. were fleeing, yes, yeah. fleeing st- uh, hunger, yeah, yeah. Um, which is something you can flee. Um, <laughs> well, the, they heard about all as, the hamburgers. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. we got to get a New York yeah. City. Um, uh, but I think, I think the biggest thing is the effect of the Catholic Church. It's rare in any country of the world where there is one religion. Mm-hmm. Like still, in, the, in a recent census, 96% of Ireland were Catholic in this modern day age. And the other 14% were ghosts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've I think heard about the ghost I community. And, the, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, at the end of that track, the they were playing uh, bagpipes, which I've always associated with no. uh, Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Um, but in a lot of uh, films about New York cops, when a cop dies and all the cops go to the funeral mm. and they're all Irish, they play bagpipes. Yeah. And I'm wondering where that comes from. I think maybe a group of Irish people had one Scottish friend right. when America started. And, and it passed down. It, and he, all of his sons since, has... They did a genre mashup up yeah, on yeah, the boat yeah. on the way to New York. It was like that, that Run DMC song versus yeah. Master J. Or like Nana Cherry and um, Yusu Ndor. They were mixing yeah, different uh, yeah. cultures. Uh, but they did it on the boat to New York. So when they got there, everyone was like, oh... Bagpipes are Irish, right? Exactly. And then they were like, I thought a second, <laughs> second. So, Ashling, yes. I once said your name live on stage and you corrected me. Um, yeah. It is pronounced Ashling, right? It, it felt like if I was to have spared your feelings there mm-hmm. and I had to change my name forever because mm-hmm. you'd said it wrong, mm-hmm. it, it, it felt it, disingenuous. So I did have to like... Correct it. What did I say about then? Can you remember? Oh, I think you said like Sir Sharonan or something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some other monstrosity. No, I said. Of um, where, does, where does your name come from? Ireland. Yeah, I know that um, bit, but it, the <laughs> B I'm being is very not your. Sassy this morning. Yeah. <laughs> I told you I had. You're annoyed because we morning. took a photo, aren't you? That's what I it am. is. So you were on your way to the gym, and you went, "Oh, I'll stop off and do a podcast." Yes. And you had no idea because well, podcasts are traditionally an audio-only format. Exactly. You were like, "So well, I think it's fair enough." Uh, a, I was not on my way to the gym, but I have dressed as if I was on my way out of the gym. Uh, I was told you, you, last night the address of this podcast. Yeah. I arrived here today in my crappy clothes so I could then walk home so I could get a bit of exercise out of this podcast. Mm-hmm. I arrive here. I'm told suddenly it's about films, mm-hmm. which I can tell you right now I know nothing about. So this is going to be it's gold film chat. and television. Okay, and television. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Which well, I know I hope, you didn't have I hope when we you can were chat young. about MasterChef. Uh, <laughs> we can, Dan. yeah, we can. Um, and then they want to take a photo of me in my in my sweaty clothes, like I don't have a soul I know, or this, a sense of self. This is what happens when you don't let your agent do the booking. Yeah, I said Dan, who asked me through Facebook if I wanted to do his podcast. You, <laughs> I forgot that I had your actual <laughs> telephone number. But you, um, you, if your agent had done this, they would have been demanding like hotel for overnight stay because yeah. it was at a ridiculously early time in the morning. Yeah, and like ten a.m. Yeah, so I had to do it uh, direct. Oh God, you're so, um, so yeah, your name, you. You're not. This isn't your birth name, is it, Ashling B? Ashling is, yeah. Ashling is. Ashling is a Gaelic for an Irish dream or a vision, and it was this woman who was um, in Irish poetry as a person who would come and save Ireland from the wrath and tyranny of Britain. So, but Ashling actually just never turned up. So they were like, right. "Oh well, we just have do to." Do you feel like you're living up tyranny. to that? Um, no, I really like Britain. I really love English people. So she is a bit of a Judas as well. I think that's, <laughs> a, that's a new footnote on, on top of the Irish meaning. And then B 
is was my father's name was Brian and uh, my real name is Ashling O'Sullivan but there was already an Ashling O'Sullivan uh, on the list what of are the Irish bloody chances really high in Ireland oh, <laughs> O'Sullivan okay. yeah really yeah. high so I always went by Ashling B O'Sullivan but like you can't be called Judy Mary Dench and go oh no I'm the other Judy so you have to I had to drop off the O'Sullivan bit I would have thought in England that having mm. that name as an actress would mean you probably wouldn't be like my name's she Dan Clark right yeah there's no other Dan Clarks not really That's I mean so there surprising. are but the, when it's I started a really boring name I yeah oh thank you <laughs> you've actually really hit on an insecurity of mine that I've had for the last 20 years really that your name's boring I never liked my name but never had the courage because I come from a sort of working class family and background yeah. where if you change your name that's pretentious like Alonzo Clark down the east end yeah or if yeah. I like a one like Bono or something if I was called <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what would you have chosen as a moniker well, I don't know what I would have chosen because I just didn't have the courage to do it but I do remember at school weirdly when you had to write your name at the top of a paper mm. I was so embarrassed of my ordinary name and wanted to be what? different and stand out that I wrote made up like Daniel Sylvester Antonio Clark and people believed me because why would you make that up why yeah. would you be that much <laughs> and seven-year-olds believe what you tell them Surely he can't be a prick this young. <laughs> it must be his real name. <laughs> but I was a prick that Aww. young. I started at a very young age. Dan Clark is a really solid, it's memorable solid. name. It is. It's a really solid name. It's it not is. embarrassing. It's not like you're called Bill Bill. You know, it's like, well, that would be really Well, you say that, but because I bet you have to re, especially on the phone when you're calling up, you know, yeah. Virgin Media or whoever you're with, and they, you have to re-say your name yeah. and spell it. But I've had that. I go Dan. I go Darren. No, Dan. Don. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, how easy Surely is it? Nobody be called Dan Clark. <laughs> exactly. Um, so where did you grow up in Ireland? I grew up in Kildare, which is a very horsey area. Horsey. Uh, it is horsey. As in there's horses uh, or people have sore throats? My mother was a jockey. Or... My father was a horse vet. Everyone in the town was into horse breeding. We wow. uh, breed some of the most famous race horses around the world. There's lots of like... Um, uh, Arab funded stables there which uh, makes some of the best racehorses yeah. in the world so yeah so you laugh but I will not uh, make fun of one of Ireland's uh, biggest uh, horse towns horse towns <laughs> or it, that sounds like the wild it's, west it's like a five horse town is the <laughs> town I came from so you must have had an existential crisis when you realised you weren't interested in horses yes for a, it was actually like, my mother what else is there it's my mother's greatest sadness is that I'm not interested in horses is it really yeah at four months of age I was put up on a horse and held there to see if I'd like take to it you know like in Twilight mm -hmm. this is the sort of movies I'm into Dan mm -hmm. welcome no, to the I, I like the first Twilight. So you know when like the wolf imprints on the baby mm -hmm. and it goes kind of, oh, I will never for, I will never not let you. Uh, Is this in the first one? Maybe the third one. I don't know. They all have, okay. they're all set in the same yeah, house yeah. They're all that the vampires yeah. for some reason yeah, are yeah. able to afford the rent for. Um, <laughs> you can and make a killing with PAs uh, as a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I could. Um, th yeah, so he, the wolf guy imprints on, on the new baby and when a wolf imprints on something it means it will always be together like the way crows mate for life yeah and so i think my mother was trying to force me to imprint on a horse and go you will always love ponies but instead i was like no not for me hmm. and i just wanted to stay indoors and watch television in this in this day and age that would be considered uh, abuse wouldn't it yeah i suppose but it for would. a parent to do that so yeah. um when 
so the area you grew up yeah i'll have a little <laughs> chat with her in the so where you grew up was there much culture in the in or popular culture in the sense of did well, you go and see stuff or was it just in terms tv of that television you it's very interesting so i've been living in england 10 years now and I miss a huge swathe of cultural references that some people have and some people in Ireland do have but I grew up with only two television stations which was a two Irish television station RTE and Network 2 yeah yeah. and everyone in the country had those two same stations and then some people had the box which was how you got Channel 4 and Mm -hmm. BBC is that like a Sky thing yeah kind of now to be the equivalent of a Sky box but at the time it only gave you like the other television stations so some people in Ireland who had the box and normally people who lived in towns could get it easier than people who lived out in the countryside because the trees were too tall near my house where we were so we couldn't get the reception for it but they would have known who Jimmy Savile was or who you know all these like unfortunately whereas I got off (laughs) scot-free um uh, what can I just ask? What I'm not going to ask you your age, but what uh, era 18. are we talking? Eight? I am eighteen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay, but but frankly, I remember back as far as the eighties because of my witchy ways. So eighties and early nineties. Okay, but what's interesting about Ireland, and this is why gigging there is interesting, is you can say the tiniest smidgen of a reference, and everyone gets it because it's very rare to have most people. Be from it's quite a it used to be anyways quite a monocultural country in that everyone's kind of from Catholic Ireland with mostly two television stations growing up and everyone has this exact same frame of reference as if everyone's from the same town mm-hmm. and that's why you get I think the stereotype of Irish people always getting along well and understanding each other it's because there's only four and a half million people in the country mm-hmm. yet we have this sort of loudness of a culture and this. Yeah, very, like I say, modern. Like the country is like a town. Yeah, very much so, because we were all given the same. There was kind of two newspapers, two Mm -hmm. government parties, and they're both pretty much the same. That must have been amazing in a way. It it kind of is now. I get very fond of it because when I do gigs, like I did this charity gig at the London Irish Centre, which I do a lot of kind of fundraising for. And it was myself, David O'Doherty and a bando man, who I'm not sure if you know that. And we did this like, I called it the Big Dishko. Mm -hmm. And the amount of... um, sort of my era of emigrants coming over and second generation who knew exactly what all the references were and it was so glorious to have this one little room where everyone between the ages of 18 and 40 got every reference except for the English people who are looking around going what are these mad people up to and I don't think you do have that in the UK there'll be certain things like Ant and Deck that everyone will know about yeah. but then there'll be other little shows and pockets and genres whereas we were kind of forced to watch everything yeah yeah um, and how does that affect things like politics and um, propaganda? You know, like if there's such a small uh, bandwidth mm. for like putting out messages and or creating subcultures, yeah, does stuff get through the net uh, when there's only now two channels? Now it does. What's yeah. very interesting is seeing people who are now uh, who are under twenty four or twenty five mm-hmm. because they've grown up with the Skybox. They've grown up watching stuff on YouTube. They've grown up knowing comedians. Uh, they can you can have your own culture on your iPad beside your parents who are watching the TV now, which is the same in 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 Britain. Whereas 
up until maybe seven, eight years ago, you had to watch what was on TV that your parents were watching. Yeah. So you kind of grew up with the references and your parents would know what you're watching and they and you would know what they're watching, whether it was boring or not. Whereas now you can have your own tiny world. You can have five different worlds in a house of five people where everyone's watching and, and having their own interests, which can be good, but you also... Which sounds like uh, here 15 years ago. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But um, And what about the cinema? Was there a cinema in where you lived? Yeah, but the joke was always like, oh my God, guys, anytime soon, Jaws 1 is going to come uh, to the town. <laughs> well, what was interesting is the town I'm from is very horsey, but also uh, there's an army barracks in it. And everyone in my class either had family who were involved with the horse racing industry or fathers who were abroad doing peacekeeping forces. Yeah. And most of the fathers were in the Lebanon. And in the Lebanon, they used to get videos uh, uh, that were sent to them of movies that were only out in America to entertain the troops. So when we used to be so excited about people's fathers coming back and bringing like Beethoven seconds back that we could watch <laughs> at birthday parties, like it was a big thing yeah. whose father would bring back a video from the Lebanon. Wow. And we used to watch like, oh yeah, things like all that kind of era of movies, like Back to the Futures, those sort of like... Um, those kind of movies that we'd see mm-hmm. before they'd come out in America and it was just like this pocket of like movie going it must have been children I, I mean rooms. this world that you're talking about sounds like you know um, sort of Elizabethan times to me <laughs> but I, I, it, it's actually not that long ago for you. I remember I had a pen pal um, who I was set up with via my uh, friend whose father had a taxi office in London. And we got these two pen pals from England and they both lived in London and we were all the same age. And they wrote me letters telling me about how they'd kissed lads and had gone into town on the tube, like the train themselves. Mm-hmm. And I ended my What, they were pals. the same age as you? Yeah, they yeah, were yeah. the same age as me. And I ended my relationship with my pen pal because I wrote her a damning letter uh, telling her how if she wasn't going to tell me the truth about her life then I wasn't interested in being her pen pal because at the time I couldn't imagine like a 12 year old getting on the tube or a train yourself going shopping around a shopping centre wow. a shopping centre mm-hmm. who do you do you think you're in New York City please don't make me laugh this is all lies meeting up with gangs of guys ha! <laughs> I just couldn't even imagine such a world well I know? don't think that would happen now I did that yeah, when I was, not. I lived in the suburbs of London mm. and I think I was about 11 or 12 when I was first allowed to get on a train up to central London and a tube, walk around, buy some records oh God, and go yeah. home. And if I just can't imagine anyone letting an 11 or 12 year old do that. That to me would have like a sort of life like Melanie Griffith would have had in Working Girl. <laughs> like that to me would have been like, ah, oh, come on. She was a little bit older. That's for the movies. Yeah. What next? Flying cars? What airplanes? Yeah. So what was the... The comedy that you grew up watching then was... Did you get all the British stuff? No, uh, well, not English at all. Stuff, not at or... all. And I still, to this day, only since I've gotten in... Only since I've been working in comedy and especially working in comedy as a stand-up, which is really only the last five and a half years, I've only started to know big people. I didn't know who... I didn't know who any of the big Americans were. I'd, the only person I knew was Billy Connolly. The three references I had were Billy Connolly, Tommy Tiernan and Deirdre O'Kane. Mm-hmm. And Deirdre O'Kane and Tommy Tiernan were on the TV in Ireland all the time. Yeah. And so it was 50% men, 50% women, as far as I was concerned. That's how comedy worked. Yeah, yeah. Everyone looked like me. They had pale white skin, brown hair. You're a boy or a woman. And you talked anecdotally about stories and people you knew. And that was stand-up. So, which is exactly your style as well. Which is right? basically, yeah. 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 And it's a very Irish it's funny, style. Actually, I hadn't really thought about that. But there is a Tommy Tiernan-esque. Really? Uh, oh my god, I'd take that. What yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Storytelling and, and sort of going into the detail, which... 
Um, in mm. fact, I remember seeing you at... Uh, That's what at, I like to watch as well. Yeah. And I, I don't watch much comedy. It's not my hobby. Like, MasterChef is yeah, my yeah. hobby. So I have to really go and watch stuff. Well, that's good. I think that's healthy, actually. But Because um, then you get... Then you're more interested in life rather than just obsessed Maybe, with your yeah. own... I mean, then, then there's all sorts of great things. Like, say, James Gill there. James mm-hmm. runs an amazing um Which we plug almost every night. week. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Always be comedy. Please go find it online. <laughs> but it Twitter. is a brilliant... It is it one really of the best is, ones in but London. It's so, and he's such a joyful compare. But he is obsessed with comedy. He loves comedy. Sarah Pascoe another example mm-hmm. has always loved comedy she watches Would I Lie to You to chill out yeah. I watch anything but something to do with I've work become like out. that I used to be obsessed with comedy really then it turned me bitter then uh. I decided I like watching things about pottery and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm the obsessed with Rick, sewing yeah, well no I'm obsessed with Rick Stein's uh, travel food shows at the moment <gasps> See, they I only like cooking so in a competitive environment. So oh, really? I like when someone's going to lose because of the fondant. <laughs> Not someone's like. going to win. That just t- says everything yeah, about you. Yeah, you yeah, like yeah, it yeah. when someone's going to lose. That's like, why you watch yeah. the Olympics. I can't wait to see people lose. Yeah, I want to see most people lose. <laughs> That's what I want. Everyone but that, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the 1%. <laughs> so does that mean that you got into comedy before you knew much about comedy? Yeah, I've always... Like, Did you I just go, I think I'm funny? I don't really know the, the history and craft of I've, comedy, but... See, I was one of those kids, to be honest, I'd love to say, oh, I really thought I was going to be a tennis player. Mm. I've been obsessed with making people laugh. Since I could speak, I love it. I love it so much. But you and were an actress f- right before you yes, did? Yeah. Like professionally, before yeah. doing stand up. Yeah, yeah. Like all my life, like it's our currency in our family. And mm-hmm. I think in our country, it's not, it's like we're not like, oh, the Irish are a very attractive people, just like <laughs> Brazil. You know, that's not what people say. So the big currency in Ireland it's is. It's a sweeping generalization. <laughs> absolutely sweeping, yeah, but I'm, unfortunately. I'm offended true. As a, even as, as a non Irish person. person. But it's the the giant currency is can you tell a story or make people laugh and are you not stingy? So generosity and engaging people are the two bit. That's how you'll be judged mm-hmm. on your funeral. Yeah, yeah. So on your funeral at your funeral. And is is it a stereotype to say that like you know the the pub raconteur, like um, the, the, the guy telling or woman telling stories? No, it, I don't think so. I think that's genuinely really rewarded. I think that's what 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 people lo- and what what I love in people. I love. I love funny people and I mostly surround myself by really funny people or people who love to join in and laugh. Like they're the sort of people I like surrounding myself with. I think some there is like a strain of comedians who I think are dying out who hate other funny people. Mm -hmm. They like winning Mm -hmm. and they like winning a conversation rather than making a great night. Well, to be out of a load of conversations, which is how I like to. I used to run a night and. I've done your night. I did no, your night. You that did. You did like whole... a slight revival. I did it. I, I did it oh. originally from like 2006 to 2010 when I did a lot more stand up. And I did the Beatles on the rooftop. You game, did. Yeah, I? yeah. <laughs> and um, we, what I, because I, I never loved the gigging circuit, mm. and it's. I also, it's. I do like watching some panel shows, but I'm not a big because because of that element. Because of that. Yeah. When it feels like everyone, it's a competition. Even though no one, yeah. it isn't a competition. But just that. If sometimes, you're sitting in a chair, and every time you say something, you're worried about your career or how you'll make the edit. Yeah. You'll probably do really well in the edit, but the show won't have been a joy. Yeah, yeah. The joyful panel shows, and I think it's really changing now. The joyful panel shows are the ones where it's a yes and environment, which is something you say a lot in improvisation, which is where you throw an idea out into the air. Someone picks it up and goes, yes, and something else. Mm Because otherwise, 
you've just got seven people rehearsing their monologues for their DVD. Yeah, yeah. And the most joyful days at work, like I did a QI record and it's the first record um, I'd done with Sandy Tosfiga mm-hmm, as yeah. host. And oh my God, it was so wow. joyful. And it was myself and Alan Davies, who's really lovely. And he always yes ands and jumps in on stuff that yeah, you yeah. say. Um, so most of what he says is reactions to what other people say. Um, and then uh, myself, randomly Corey from Slipknot, one of the lead singers from Slipknot, who's been obsessed with um, he, what, QI. On QI, really? Yes. Oh, and there was, he got on because it was a Facebook petition. Did Get he still Corey wear a Slipknot. leather balaclava? No, he was so toned, so fit, so cool and nice. Had and a pencil funny. moustache. <laughs> yeah, and, just, uh, and was uh, making everyone flat white. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and Ross Noble. And it was just such a joyful, everyone is just throwing stuff in the air. And you have those on, on ones you wouldn't expect. Yeah. And that's how, that's a, that's a way to live a life, isn't it? Just mm-hmm. to listen and respond and laugh. Like that's, yeah, well, you're, the joyful ones. You, you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that there's... But I've had some doozies as well where people are trying to slam down and make their own things. And you're like, oh, this yeah. is not... No, that's, pity, that, well, and that, that's exactly the type of... I think comedy is, because you do it on your own, mostly, and... You're really defined. Mm. Like it's if you're if people like you, it's because of you. You're not hiding yeah. behind a script or a concept, or uh, unless you're a character comic, I suppose. Yeah. That there is this insecurity where you have to. No one wants to be the least funniest person on the bill, really. But if that mindset's even in your head going in, you're in a different, I think, comedy community. Yeah. Yeah. So I've died on my arse on gigs where my friends have done really well, and it's more like, oh God, it was great because they could see what I did wrong and give me some notes afterwards. But you are fearless. What I was going to say earlier oh, was I'm that. Not. That's not well, or you're very the actress in you is good at hiding it because I saw you at a new material night. Now I'll go up and I'll have when I'm doing brand like literally first time ever material, I'll just mm. say some bits, and if they don't work, I'll sort of maybe reference them, which people always say you shouldn't do, but that's just mm. who I am, you know. But you got up on stage and just talked and it was like you were finding the routine as you spoke yeah and but I that's was like, my wow. writing process which is awful an awful way well, to live your life such a, remember um, I spent the whole day worrying <laughs> and going why why have I only oh my god what have I done why have I cleaned the kitchen when I had an hour to write oh, I'll go to this gig I'll just speak yeah like, well it works because even if the uh, on, and I'm only talking about mm. a new material now I'm not yeah. talking about when the show is honed but even if say you you don't get you know, a laugh every 15 seconds or something. The confidence and the um, performance makes people feel so comfortable that they're See, just I listening think, anyway. It, there's a, it's a double-edged sword because I speak so much, there's no time to hear the silence or the laughter. So I just but barrel through. That's a good through. thing, isn't it? Yeah, well, for new material, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. barrel through uh, talking because I've got this fear if I stop and leave a pause then I'll hear the silence mm-hmm. so instead I'm like no time to laugh you can laugh at the end I'll just keep going I'll just keep going I'll just keep going I'm just... but actually when I have in inverted commas honed my stuff the note is always slow it down you don't give people yeah. a chance to understand what you've just have said you, has anyone ever measured how many words per minute you say no I don't think anyone has a clock and it was also I find it really clock. hard yeah a word clock which is how you measure things not on well, a like a bouncer you know with the little clicker <laughs> with the little egg like yeah. this Disney Movies. Yeah, like going every every oh, yeah. word you say. Every, I'd say yeah. no, but I, I might try and see if we can find yeah. someone. Maybe I'd be like accidentally making the Guinness World Records, and I'd be like one of those rappers who goes, "Now again, nowadays everybody <laughs> want to talk like that." I'm saying, but nothing comes out when you move your lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. See, um, you can do it. Yeah. You can actually do it. Maybe you should enter that competition. But it comes as well. from an inner fear of the silence, which mm-hmm. is another reason lots of people talk. Like I'd, I when people come out onto stage and go. 
How's it going? You all right? And then they do a gag. Ah, oh, didn't think you liked that. Next gag. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, how brave, how brave, how brave, how brave. Oh really? God, imagine being that silent. You're not going, yeah. God, I could have done 17 gags by now. Not 17 gags. I could have def- I find it very hard, which I suppose evident if you're listening to this pod- podcast, to say something in one sentence. I can't mm-hmm. get it. It takes three when the explanation takes I, one. I don't want to be dismissive of people with genuine... Um, mental he- health problems, Thank you very much. but there is a slight uh, manicness to your uh, your ability to talk, s- like the amount of the yes. volume. I guess that yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like I'm I've, in a way, I wish I could do that because sometimes mm-hmm. I listen back to my podcast and I think, why am I so laid back? It's so because in my head, I'm freaking out. Because when I was listening to you in the other room, because you told me to arrive at ten and I didn't realise I wouldn't actually do anything until eleven another forty. Little, bloody fun. <laughs> a little, <laughs> another little jibe. Um, God, if only I had my agent here. I'd be, I could have popped across the road to the hotel I was supposed to stay in. Um, but yeah. I was, and it's if you so look across the road, you don't want to stay anywhere <laughs> over there. Do I want to call it Bendy House or yeah. something? Um, so I was listening to you and it's you've got a lovely quality to your voice and I oh, and the, the pace when you're walking around is so much nicer to listen to mm-hmm. than kind of like breakfast radio voice with yeah, Ashley yeah. where you speak little and blah 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 oh, here's God. Lady who Gaga likes, who likes 17th that? time nobody that's what I think I mean I never listened to uh, radio or or any, and, until podcasts I mean I mm. occasionally listen to Radio 2 Radio 4 or something but now podcasts are around where people p- the people that are good at it where they have really good conversation that's very in flowing and mm. equal some podcasts it's the presenter doing way too much of the talking and you're like yeah. hang on I want to hear the guest yeah but um, just so before we wrap it up because I could actually I, I wish I would got you in earlier and I know you do because no, you do got here well. earlier no I but, got through a load of emails outside it was good. great <laughs> um, I what have you got coming up? What can we expect well, to see? Well, speaking you of TV, yeah. um, so I, I'm in have. the fall, which is a random one for me, uh, which is that Jamie Dornan, mm-hmm. Gillian Anderson murder, murder. Is show. this the second series or the third, third? series third, yeah. and the final series as okay. well? So you're, it's the final you're, one. You're ending the series. I basically once I went in there, they're it. like, "Oh Jesus, who, can't do this who anymore." Brought her in? <laughs> um, uh, I kept on making jokes. Are you comic relief in it, or is this a serious no, role? This for is you? a serious oh, role. Good. Did I you never enjoy thought it? I'd end up in comedy. So yeah. it's me going back to what I thought I'd be doing. Out back of drama to the day school. job. Yeah, back to my day job. And then I'm going to China and Malaysia in two weeks' time to do Tom Basden's new show about gap years called Foreign Bodies. And I, I think I'm 43 years older than everyone else in the cast. <laughs> Just myself and Tim Key being like, oh, I remember my first acting job. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you, Tim Key, anyone else we may know? I don't. The others are all quite young, 22-year-old actors yeah. who I think are very famous uh, in America and on Instagram. Oh, okay. But I Is it one of these co-pro sort of American and UK No, type but things? because of the nature of it, it's gap years and two British guys travelling around uh, on, on their gap year. Mm-hmm. You've got the great opportunity to bring in a lot of like American actresses and people who would be there anyways. Yeah. Um, that sounds like an amazing job. Yeah, it should be China. fun actually. You're China work. and Malaysia, and yeah. for three weeks to kind of travel around and stuff. And so Tom Basson's nice. a brilliant writer. Yeah, oh, and the he's very good. good. He's got oh, they're great. Yeah, good. they're really really good. Um, and and he's managed to make something young without it being like Ute Snapchat yeah, yeah, Snapchat yeah. Snapchat. You know what channel is it? Uh, E4. 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 So yeah. it's still it's youth, f- but it's actually mute. it feels yeah. very fun and good. And I'm in it, so uh, uh, as a sort of ah, uh, I'm as the you're, old you're, storyteller. Yeah. So you are you doing um, 
dramatic acting in this one? Uh, I mean, it's a it's a dramatic comedy. Yeah. Uh, they'll tell me to be funny, but I have now lost the ability, and I will only be doing drama from now on. Even in your tours. Even in my tours. How long dramatic They're going to be TED talks now. <laughs> yeah. uh, just so you know. Do you have any tours or live shows coming up? Lots of live gigs, but yeah. no, I'm not touring anytime soon. I want to put together. I've never done a tour. I've toured around, but I've never done a tour. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever had a show. It's like a very lonely thing. I mean, sure, mm. I'm sure you know yeah. when you go on tour. And if you don't have a show that's your baby, it's it's a it's a lonely existence yeah. to travel around the country on your own. I did it last autumn. You I decided know? to cut costs. I don't know yeah. why I did this and not have a support act. Because oh, I had enough material city, to city do monkey. two 45s. Mm. And... Um, about three days. It's my fa- it's the yeah. my favorite show I've ever written and toured mm. and done. And three days in, I was like, God, this is this is a bit depressing. It's not. It's basically what I've had to learn, especially from last year. I kind of like worked a lot and didn't live a lot. And what I've learned is that's no way to exist because it actually starts affecting your comedy. Mm-hmm. So if you are touring around lonely, it'll affect how excited you are to go on stage. So you really have to have a baby of a show you love and make sure you've got a support network for yourself. I think it's the same if you work on your own in any job. Mm-hmm. That you should make sure you have a balance because at the end of the day when you die, no one will say, well, she really gigged a lot. <laughs> they might. <You> know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we never fucking saw her. Yeah, well, actually, I don't know. Yeah. Could you make sure they don't say that? Okay, I'll I have try. a feeling I'll die before you. <laughs> Wow, what a morbid way to end. Uh, I I like it. Uh, Well, we normally do a guilty pleasure section, but A, we've run out of time, and B, you said, and I want you to say this as pithily as possible, is that possible, as economically as possible, why you don't have a guilty pleasure? I don't have guilt about any of the music I like Mm -hmm. because it's all shite. So, so then surely you have an embarrassment of riches. No, I'm not ashamed because it's been too long. Like if I was ashamed, it'd be the same as being ashamed of like my own face at this stage. You're like, well, this is what I, That's I remember enough, I got into the car with my friend. Um, <laughs> all right, Dan, she likes a good girlfriend. Oh, well, you've got a giant boner, Dan. Um, <laughs> Shit, there's no way of me <laughs> d- d- disputing that. I love that this is a um, Yeah. Um, I, uh, I got into the car with uh, my friend, Sharon, Sharon Horgan, actually, got into the car with her no. and her dropper. little name dropper and she was I had to sit in the back because her brother was at the front um, sit in the back with her 10 year old daughter and the radio came on she's like oh sorry about this music Sivy who's a daughter is really into this shite and before she could say shite music myself and Sive were already singing loudly been around the world don't speak the language but your booty don't need explaining talk dirty to me like that's my okay. myself and 10 year old girls that's what I we I can like. now safely say I'm very pleased you didn't pick a guilty pleasure film but it does <laughs> <laughs> myself and my sister just watch Miss Congeniality over and over again oh well there again. you go you but we're not guilty that. about it okay. I don't feel guilty okay. I think it's a very solid rom-com yeah, no, it is, Bullock, it but is, in a tour de force yeah. performance um, okay well uh, you did pick a song for us Oh, which one did you? I picked two. Uh, which one did you? We, we went from the we went for the Dropkick Murphys because oh, I like what you said you? about it. Yeah, it's one of those ones that people go, "Oh, never pick the Dropkick Murphys," but there's something about, and they're not Irish. They're what you're talking about, the New York. They're like Boston Irish, who are yeah. like fighting Irish type of guys. And this is from the film The Departed, the Departed set in Boston, exactly. And the, this is a bit guilty because it is a bit diddly eye, and it is a bit mashup. It's like diddly eye meets new metal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah, a bit, yeah, yeah. a bit odd, so but true. I like, like it. Me on QI. Yeah. <laughs> you are, yeah, exactly. You and you and Slipknot man. Yeah. All right. Well, Ashley, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um and Thank you very much for having uh, me, Dan. Good luck with all your projects. Well, I'm delighted to have been on because I needed the money, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's important.
producer saying at the time. He's, he's doing a big crossover. What? Along his neck. <laughs> uh, this is I'm Shipping Up to Boston from the film The Departed. Thank you, Ashling. Thank you, listeners. Screen Talk with Dan Clark on FUBAR Radio. This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. Go to foobarradio.com for more details.